I exhort, therefore, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and givings of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in high places, that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to full knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony in its own times to which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth in Christ, not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I therefore desired that the men in every place pray, lifting up holy hands without anger and doubting. The words of the Apostle Paul, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Welcome back to my Bible study podcast, From Hevel to Eternity. I'm Brian, and today I'm going to do something a little different. I normally like to talk about an entire chapters of a book or cover the theme of an entire biblical book. But today I'm going to be jumping around a bit. Today I want to talk about prayer and to equip us to better pray for those that God has sovereignly granted to positions of authority over us. Last podcast episode we covered Psalm 146, a psalm that reminded us no matter the outcome and events that might capture the rest of the country this week and beyond, do not be overcome by worry or anxiety or disappointment. Instead, lean into God. The psalm reminds us not to put our trust in worldly leaders, but to remember that God has always reigned. He is reigning currently, and he will continue to reign forevermore. Then, because of that, we can rest in him, and we can praise him. If you are a Christian, if your faith and your praise belongs to Jesus, the true King of kings and Lord of lords, then you should not be disheartened or distraught by any outcome or any turmoil surrounding this election cycle. Today's episode sort of continues the theme of last episode, about our leaders and where we place our trust. Last episode, I said that we must remember that God is big enough to guide and transform our leaders' hearts, and that God is sovereign over all nations times, and events. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God can transform and work in the hearts of every leader in our nation? From elected officials to church elders to corporate bosses, I believe that that is true. And because of that, and because I believe that, then we should focus this episode around how we can better pray for our leaders. Some need prayers of encouragement, some prayers of perseverance, some prayers of repentance, some prayers of humility, some prayers for the Holy Spirit to just take hold of their heart and reveal that Christ Jesus is Lord and Savior of them also. The list could go on forever. I'm going to take a handful of verses from around scripture and talk through how we can incorporate those into how we pray for those leaders around us. I exhort, therefore, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and givings of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in high places, that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and reverence. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. 
as the church, we should pray for everybody. We should pray for ourselves and our families. We should pray for our local community of believers. We should pray for the overall church body. We should pray for non-believers. And we should take time out of the day to pray for kings and all who are in high places. At the time Paul is writing this letter, the king or emperor of the Roman Empire was Nero. Nero was a brutal and savage emperor who is widely believed to have started the great fire of Rome so that he could clear space for his own golden house to be built. Then he blamed the fire on the Christian community in Rome to give him license to arrest and murder Christians. He burned some alive, he fed others to wild animals at the Roman games, and he crucified still more. If Paul can encourage other Christians to pray for this man, Surely we can swallow whatever pride we have and genuinely pray for all of our elected officials, both the ones that we like and the ones that we might strongly disagree with. Paul is imploring Timothy to make praying for the lost and the leaders a priority. Some of our leaders are openly hostile to God. We should pray for them. Some of our leaders are Christians but struggle to filter their policy positions through their biblical worldview. We should pray for them. And all of our leaders constantly have to fight against pride and power to find humility and grace. We should pray for them as well. Paul says we should make this a priority, that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and reverence. John MacArthur says that while it remains uncompromising in its commitment to truth, the church is not to agitate or disrupt national life. Look, When we pray for people, we can also remind ourselves of compassion and grace for people. And when we exercise compassion and grace toward people, we are less likely to pridefully pick fights that aren't biblical fights. We're less likely to slander and gossip and outright lie. So, pray for our leaders, their spiritual state, and the way they exercise their authority. Let every soul be in subjugation to the higher authorities, for there is no authority except from God and those who exist are ordained by God. Romans 13 verse 1. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 17. These two verses are both instructive in how we should pray for our leaders, but they're also instructive in how we should pray that God transforms us to live under their worldly leadership. I'll start with the inward and then work toward the outward because in our current environment, I think that the inward is foundational for the outward. We need to bracket our prayers for our leaders with prayerful recognition of two key points. The first is that God is sovereign over all officials and all governments. God is also sovereign over the church and its leaders. And second, that any worldly authority comes from and is actually defined by God himself. Most of the last episode speaks to this inward idea, and if you haven't already, I would highly encourage you give that episode a listen. Don't read these verses, though, and read into them what's not there. God never adds, and government leaders will all uphold my principles. No, even governments and officials that are running from God still exist through the authority of God. It is important to us because we are called to fear God and to honor our leaders. We are called to fear God no matter what 
people he grants authority to. We are called to honor all of our leaders, not just the ones we like, not just the ones we think are doing a good job. As Christians, we can vote against government officials or disagree with church elders, but we cannot aim to slander or tear down or spin falsehoods and half-truths against those we are called to honor. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When we lie and slander others publicly in attempts to win an argument, we are exercising foolishness and not wisdom. We are failing to honor those we are called to honor, and failing to fear God the way calls us to fear Him. We need to recognize the inward before praying about the outward, which is to pray for our government officials, our church leaders, and our corporate bosses to fear God, to seek truth and wisdom to show dignity and respect to all men, and to honor other government officials, church leaders, and corporate bosses. Now therefore be wise, you kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve Yahweh with fear and rejoice with trembling. Psalm 2, verses 10 and 11. So Psalm 2 is a psalm about Jesus. It's about the triumphant Messiah who has been anointed king and who rules over all of the nations. We should pray that our leaders are wise and show discernment when they must make hard choices. We should pray that our leaders are willing to humbly receive instruction before making decisions and judgments. And we should pray that our leaders be convicted with a fear of and a reverence toward God. Where there is no wise guidance, the nation falls, but in the multitude of counselors, there is victory. Proverbs 11, verse 14. Again, we should pray for our leaders to take in guidance, but also for them to select wise advisors. We need to pray for our leaders to bring in counselors who are willing to speak corrective truths into those leaders' lives. They don't need to surround themselves with a bubble of yes-men. Ultimately, this comes down to praying that our leaders will reject prideful and arrogant behaviors and instead be willing to submit first and foremost to God and then to listen to the other people that God has provided in front of them. Moreover, you shall provide out of all of the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth hating unjust gain, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. Exodus chapter 18, verse 21. So Exodus 18 is God talking to Moses. Moses is struggling to lead everybody he needs to delegate, and so God gives him guidance on how to appoint other people to do that. We need to pray for our leaders to appoint other leaders with biblical principles who will execute just judgments and not seek after their own selfish gain or their own personal ambitions. You haven't strengthened the diseased, neither have you healed that which was sick, neither have you bound up that which was broken, neither have you brought back that which was driven away, neither have you sought that which was lost, but with force and with rigor you have ruled over them. Ezekiel 34 verse 4. We need to pray for our leaders to rule with wisdom and humility instead of with force and harshness. We need to pray that our leaders seek justice, strive to provide the underprivileged of society and the ones who don't have a voice for themselves with support. These are great things to pray for our leaders, 
But that can't be the end of it, because this passage in Ezekiel is also about how the shepherds of Israel had all fallen short. So God the Father was going to raise up one shepherd, God the Son, to oversee the entire flock. So beyond praying for specifics, we need to pray that our leaders submit to Jesus, the one true shepherd, in all of their world perspectives. I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you shall go. I will counsel you with my eye on you. Psalm 32, verse 8. I pray that our leaders would seek counsel from the Lord through prayer and meditating on God's word. Part of that includes praying for God to grant our leaders the ability to quiet all of the outside noise and to seek God's instruction. Proverbs 4, verse 23 and 24 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it is the wellspring of life. Put away from yourself a perverse mouth. Put corrupt lips far from you. So part of quieting all of that outside noise should also include praying for our leaders to protect themselves against temptation and corruption. This can include both financial or political corruption, but it's also protection against corrupt speech. I pray that our leaders realize that out of the heart is the wellspring of life, and so they take extra care to keep their heart. Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5 say, Hear Israel, Yahweh is our God, Yahweh is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. I pray that this is true of all of our leaders and of all of us. Look, I am not perfect. We are not perfect and our leaders will not be perfect. And perfection is not something that we should expect from them. But we can pray that God guides our leaders. We can pray that God humbles our leaders. And most importantly, we can pray that God transforms our leaders. Whether it's for unbelieving leaders to hear and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, or for believing leaders to have their hearts constantly maturing, I think the most important prayer is a prayer that they know the Lord and submit to his kingship. If we profess to be disciples of Jesus who truly desire to obey the Great Commission, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been granted to Jesus so that we should go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all the things that Jesus has commanded us and to remember that Jesus truly is God with us. If we honestly wear that badge, then why would we focus our prayers on a specific person winning because they are more Christian than someone else? Why would we stop at praying for leaders to make rules and laws and executive orders we agree with? As I tried to outline in a few verses today, there are ways to pray for leaders that apply to the realm of policy and composure and speech. But too often I hear people praying for God to change the outward goals of our leaders and not to change their hearts. That's the wrong priority. That's the wrong causality. That's the wrong desire. So as we move forward post-election day, pray for the hearts of people and not just their policies. Pray prayers of transformation for them. Pray prayers of encouragement for them. When appropriate, pray prayers of thanksgiving for what God is working through them. Pray that we can honor them at all times, even when disagreeing with them. And I pray that we can be transformed to be a people that shine as lights reflecting Jesus in a dark world. 
I'll close with four short prayers by the Apostle Paul found throughout some of his letters. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul prays, starting in verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Then he continues in Ephesians 3.14, For this cause I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, that you may be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inward man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through the faith, to the end that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be strengthened to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and depth and length and height and to know Christ's love, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Then in Philippians chapter 1, Paul says, This I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. And then lastly, in Colossians chapter 1, he writes, that we don't cease praying and making requests for you, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that you may walk worthily of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power, according to the might of his glory, for all endurance and perseverance with joy giving thanks to the Father, who made us fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who delivered us out of the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have our redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. Thanks for listening. Unless otherwise noted, all Bible verses were from the World English Bible Translation, which is in the public domain. Next episode, we'll get back on track and we'll either jump into a side chapter or we'll dive back into the Minor Prophets. Until next time, though, I love y'all.